teaching series called Traps. Now, I think everybody here is familiar with traps. You understand what a trap is. You have watched, maybe if you grew up the way I did, you've seen, you know, Wiley Coyote chasing the roadrunner. You've seen Bugs Bunny. You've seen different movies or different shows, and the reality is that you set a trap to capture and typically to kill something. That's the reason for the trap. And when you set the trap, you hide it somewhere. Because the item or the person or the animal or whatever it is you're looking to trap, you don't want them to see it and avoid it. You don't just hide it, but you put some bait in there. Mm -hmm. You put something in it that you know would be attractive to the one that you're trying to capture. Because you want them to come that direction. And I want you to know that Satan's been doing this for a very long time. And he's been setting traps and his goal is not just to capture you. His goal is to kill, to steal, and to destroy your life. But I believe that God wants us to learn about his traps and to learn about the things that he looks to do to us so that God can get the glory first and foremost, but so that we can avoid losing our lives or stepping out of God's will or being caught up in a situation that God never designed for us to be in in the first place. So when I talk to you this week, I need you to pay attention. I believe that we're going to deal with some things that can make or break a church and will absolutely make or break your testimony. I want to read you a riddle to start off, and I want you to tell me who this is. If you can bring up on the screen, it says, who am I? I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cruel and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and I have no face. To track me down is impossible. It says, the harder you try, the more elusive I become. I'm nobody's friend, and once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I topple governments and ruin marriages. I destroy careers and cause heartache and sleepless nights. I wreck churches and separate Christians. I spawn suspicion and generate grief, making innocent people cry on their pillows. Even my very name hisses. Who am I? I am gossip. And if you've never thought of it this way, I think gossip is one of those things that for whatever reason the church seems to almost take a blind eye to. Like we don't consider it that big of an issue. It's not something that seems to be hurting that many people. We kind of put it on the church on the same list as overeating. Like we don't see them too. Like, you know, gossip, look, gossip and a little overeating, they, they ain't hurt nobody. They tend to be the sins that we don't pay a lot of attention to. But I want to help us pay attention closely today. And I believe that God wants us to understand just how serious this is. So back in 2020, on September 5th, there was a couple by the name of Refugio and Angelina Jimenez. They woke up that morning, smile on their face, got up out of the bed, ate breakfast like many of us do, put on their clothes that morning, got in the car, and they hit it to what's known as the El Dorado Ranch Park. 
Now they're on their way and it wasn't just them, it was friends, it was family, it was a whole gathering of people coming together that day because see, the Jimenez family is having a baby. And today is the gender reveal party. Now if you ever been to these gender reveal parties, you know it's a big deal now. Back in the days, look, folks didn't care, they just look, let the baby get here, let the baby be healthy. Bring me some diapers, bring me some formula, that's all I need. But now it's a whole ordeal. We gonna drop, you know, a safe off the top of the Sears Tower building and watch it explode at the bottom and see what come out. If it's blue, it's a boy. It becomes this huge thing. People are shooting guns off. People are blowing up stuff. They are doing, I ain't gonna even lie, we had it at our house. We had a whole, like, balloon. We did all type of stuff. Well, they're going out there to this park. And for them, they're using a smoke bomb, and they're gonna light it, and when it explodes, it's gonna be either, you know, blue smoke or pink smoke. The moment comes, they light the fuse. The moment is here. The bomb explodes and lights a spark that starts the El Dorado forest fire. What started off as a great moment, what started off as a moment of celebration, now turns into fear. As they watch this fire begin to spread and it's uncontrollable. They can't stop it, they can't put it out, they're running for their lives. Never had that intention this morning. When they woke up, they weren't planning to have to fight this kind of thing. See, the Eldorado forest fire, if you're not aware of it, this fire went on to burn over 22,000 acres. It cost over $42 million to suppress. The fire resulted in the death of a firefighter. It resulted in injuries to 13 other people. It destroyed 20 buildings. And the Jimenez family, three years later, are still fighting to stay out of jail as they were hit with 29 counts. Some of them being felonies. Because see, sometimes you light a fuse on something and you have no control over the outcome. And you find yourself in a situation that you really didn't plan to be in. Fighting for things you really didn't wake up looking forward to fighting. Realizing that the repercussions of this don't just affect you. But think of all the other people that are now impacted. Because of one spark. I want to take you to the book of James. And in James chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For it could if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Wow. Going down to verse 5, it says, But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire or fueled by hell itself. It said it will set your whole life on fire. Out of all the pieces of your body, this is the one you need to pay the closest attention to. It goes on to say that people can tame all kinds of animals. I want you to think about this. It says people can tame birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. 
It's restless. It's evil. It's full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. It says, and so blessings and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. I want to talk to you all today about fighting the wildfire of gossip. I believe that God has called everyone who represents the name of Jesus to be a spiritual firefighter. And we're calling you to the front lines today. We have a job to do. We have a fire we need to put out. We have people we need to save. And if we don't do our job correctly, if we refuse to learn the techniques, if we refuse to pick up our holes and run to where the fire is, if we are even worse, we're actually grabbing branches with fire on them and taking them to other parts of the forest. You have missed your calling completely. So I'm going to give you some definitions of gossip. And I have three good ones here. The first one is out of the Webster's Dictionary which says a person who habitually reveals personal or sensational facts about others. Now, if this is you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you know somebody that kind of enjoys doing that type of stuff? Anybody here know somebody? You know if you need to really know something, you can call them, and they probably know. <laughs> I got to put people on speed dial. I'm like, if I hear random news, I'm like, let me call someone, because I know they know. <laughs> Here's your second definition. This is from Pastor Rick Warren. He says, when we are talking about a situation with somebody who is neither part of the problem or part of the solution, we are probably gossiping. Now, I got a third definition, y'all. I want to put a disclaimer on here. So if you ever want a real good laugh, look up a word, any word you want to in the Urban Dictionary. The Urban Dictionary brings me life for a lot of wrong reasons. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you the Urban Dictionary's definition of gossip, and you can tell that whoever this is that wrote this definition, oh, they have had this happen to them and are apparently thinking directly of this person as they wrote this. Gossip is defined as something nasty people do <laughs> when they are bored, have no life, or are really stupid. <laughs> It's nasty because a lot of the time you never hear about it and people are way too PC to admit and are nice to your face but spread nasty gossip behind your back. Now apparently they was just getting wound up because they ain't done. And you never know what happened when someone suddenly hates you for no reason or some people start threatening you for no reason and that's because some loser Come on, Jay. And then they put in parentheses, or losers, <laughs> with no life, with no brain, decided to gossip because they're too stupid to have any hobbies, a real social life, or any shred of conscience whatsoever. That is your definition of gossip from the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Whoever this is has been hurt. They done had somebody do something to them, and they are still angry. They are thinking of them as they're writing this down. But regardless of what your definition is, no matter which definition suits you, I want you to know that I personally believe that gossip has actually destroyed more people, ruined more reputations, broken more friendships, and split more churches than any other sin I'm aware of. Gossip. 
something that seems so innocent that it's just you and one other person. You're just out here lighting a fuse. I just want to see the smoke. And then you end up with a lot more smoke than you ever wanted. So I want to talk to you about how gossip affects the church body. So you all look, I'm doing all of this research and reading about wildfires because God is continually in my mind compared the tongue and gossip to a fire. Then he gave me this scripture in James, I'm like, cool, well, let me learn about wildfires. So I found this one article that was great. It started talking about the impact of forest fires on us as people. And as I'm reading it, Holy Spirit is just like, so look, as you read this, I want you to take the word wildfire out and just put gossip in and let me help you understand how important this is for my people to understand. So I want to read to you, and all I really did was change the word wildfire to gossip and see how much this stuff makes sense to you. Let's go ahead and bring up the first one, which is wildfire or gossip exposure. Gossip is an odorless colorless, toxic gas that can cause dizziness, nausea, headaches, loss of consciousness, and worsening of any existing heart conditions, and prolonged exposure can be fatal. I've seen enough people going through the stress of gossip where I've watched them be sick. Because stress will make you sick. There are young people who have taken their lives because of gossip. Suicides happen because someone took a picture, posted it on a social media website, and won't let it die. And it's circulating all over the place. And a young woman, a young boy, a grown man, they figure the only way out of this is to take my life. Because prolonged exposure can be fatal. Now in a fire, we're aware there are things called particles. So let's go ahead and bring up the next one, which is particle exposure. Did you know that gossip creates smoke and small particles that enter the atmosphere of the church? Inhaling gossip causes inflammation of the body and can be especially dangerous for anyone who is already dealing with pre-existing heart conditions. Maybe you never thought of the fact that many times a lot of us walk into this building with pre-existing heart conditions. See, you walk into this room and somebody just got through breaking your heart. You walk into this room and you just lost your job yesterday. You walk into this room and maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you're coming in here with a pre-existing condition because in your mind, no one cares about you. Nobody loves you. Nobody knows you. Nobody wants to be around you. You feel that you're not important, that you're not needed, that no one even cares if you live or die tomorrow. It's because you have a pre-existing heart condition. And it says that gossip can be especially dangerous for people with a pre-existing heart condition. You don't need to even be near gossip to experience these adverse effects as its particles can travel thousands of miles. You know the crazy part about gossip today? Man, if me and Seth have a conversation and we gossiping about somebody, I can easily send an email and send that thing halfway around the world. Did you know that gossip can travel thousands of miles? Yes, you can. I can pick up a phone and call one of my guys over in Minnesota who can then send a text message to somebody in Arizona who can then put it on social media and that thing can go viral and now it's all over the world. 
world in just four people. Yeah. Do we think about it that way? Do we realize that we can travel thousands of lives? Let's go to the next one and take a look at what happens from a mental health standpoint. It said that gossip can significantly impact a person's mental health as it represents unpredictable danger with the potential to upend lives. You all, I'm reading about forest fires, but I've watched gossip do the exact same things. I've watched gossip affect people's mental health. It has the potential to upend lives. The mental health impacts are not experienced equally. It says studies have shown that people who live in places where gossip exposure is more common, may have higher levels of psychological distress than those who live in less polluted areas. I don't know how many of you would be in this room right now if this was a church full of gossip. If everybody was talking about everybody else all the time, and everywhere you went, no one ever had anything good to say. It was just talking about somebody, talking about what they did, talking about who they was. You have to understand that we are much more common to have higher levels of psychological distress when you're in those environments. So the church can't be a safe place when it's causing psychological distress in the people who are attending. We have to be a safe place. And it says that it's more common than those who live in less polluted areas. We have to be a less polluted area, church. These effects, going to the next slide, are typically highest for those living or, work, or working in gossip's direct path. But anyone can experience adverse outcomes because of the stresses it creates. Some long-term trauma can include trouble sleeping, heightened anxiety, loss of appetite, depression. You guys look, am I still talking about a forest fire? Because when God compares gossip to a fire, then thousands of years later they release a report where, you know what, the effects look very similar to exactly what God said it is and what it does. We have to understand that if we are living in or working in gossip's direct path, you're hanging around the people who are doing it all the time, if you're spending time participating in it, Long-term trauma can be brought not just to you, but to the people you're talking about. Lack of sleep, heightened anxiety, trouble with appetites, not hungry, depression. It makes me wonder how much of our mental health issues are being impacted by gossip. And we're not even seeing it that way. The last thing that I want to bring to your attention as I was going through the information on fires, it talked about displacement. Because see, when the fire comes through and wrecks everything, we have to recognize that if we switch out that word with gossip, it says gossip destroys homes. It displaces families. It ruins lives. It severely affects the quality of life for all who have been impacted. Sometimes the only solution is to pack up Start over somewhere else completely, where a new start can be had in an environment that is less conducive to allowing gossip to begin in the first place. Some of you in this room have left churches because of gossip. When you tried to navigate it, you tried to deal with it, you've left friendships, maybe you've left dealing with some certain family members because of gossip, because you just couldn't put up with it anymore. 
You tried to talk to them. You tried to ignore it. You tried to not let it bother you or get to you. But at some point, people either get so sick of it or so tired of it that the only solution is for me to pack myself up and go somewhere where this is not a problem. You all, I look at California many times, and at some point, my wife and I have a bet out. I still think I'm going to win. I believe California's going to fall off the United States at some point. It's just going to fall off into the ocean. It's not going to be part of the United States. It's going to be an island like Hawaii or something. They have more natural disasters than I think is natural. Every time I turn on the TV, it's an earthquake. It's tremors. It's a rock slide. It's a mud slide. It's a, they got 12 feet of snow. What you do with 12 feet of snow? <laughs> Where do you put that? Right. 30 people died three weeks ago from snow. They were trapped in their homes. They ran out of food. Electricity shut off. I'm serious. And I look and I'm like, why would you build your house in California? Why would I stay there with all the problems? I don't mind visiting, but I ain't staying. Because I feel that at some point I need to get my stuff and go to a place where it's less likely that my house is going to slide down this hill. And when I put that in the context of gossip, that's what many of us have done. You're trying to get away from it, and people sometimes, there's a situation in Ohio right now. And if you heard of the train crash about Ohio where all of the toxic fumes and, and stuff was poured out and released, they think the water is contaminated, folks is trying to prove that it is, other folks trying to prove that it's not, but there are people doing interviews, and they're like, my eyes have been burning for three weeks. There was a guy on one interview, and he was like, I can't feel my tongue. And he said, what's even crazier, it's not just me. Other people on my block are having the same problems. Because see, when things get in the air, and it's just toxic, and you're just inhaling it, it will have impacts on you that you are not ready for. Some people who have the means are able to pack up and leave and move to another place. But what if you don't have the money? What if all you have is there? And you're just stuck dealing with the effects and the consequences. I want to take a moment and tell you how God really feels about gossip. It says in Romans chapter 1 verse 28, that since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, Envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and what? Wow. Going down to verse 32, it says they know God's justice requires that those who do these things actually deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Do you understand that this passage tells us that God sees gossip as wickedness? And not only does he see it as wickedness, he puts it in the same category as murder. Now, if I ask everybody in this room to raise their hand, how many of y'all would leave out this room right now and just go kill somebody? 
My hope is I have no hands. <laughs> if I get one, I'm telling security to follow you today. But no, nobody's trying to leave out of this room and go kill somebody. But yet and still with our mouths, we commit character assassination on a regular basis. Tearing people down. Tarnishing the image of God that they were made in. We have to be careful with our mouths because God sees gossip as a bigger issue than we tend to see it as. So how do we put out the fire? Let's talk about that. See, fire is made up of three elements, and you have to have all three of them to burn. So I like watching those shows, you know, alone, uh, the shows where they, they put people like out in the middle of nowhere, and they gotta just survive and out-survive other people that's out there somewhere too. Those things bring me all top of joy. Now, first of all, I ain't never going. So I'm gonna tell you this right now. If you ever see Pastor Jay on the show alone, come get me. Somebody did that to me. <laughs> that was not on purpose. They drugged me, they dropped me off. Somebody sent a plane. Their people be out there to be like real bears. Yeah. Real bears. Okay. Can I tell y'all something that made me laugh hard? So I already told y'all, like we as black folks, we don't do well with wild animals, okay? I watched one season, and you, you typically never see a black guy on these shows anyway. Like, we ain't going. It was a black guy. He went, got on the plane, was talking all this smack about how, you know, yeah, I'm about to win, I'm about to do this for my family. They dropped that brother off. I promise you, it couldn't have been 45 minutes. Like, <laughs> bro went and looked for some wood so he could start a fire. And he came across a real bear. I ain't seen nobody pull out the phone and call for the backup to come get him off the island that fast in my life. <laughs> Bro said, this real bear's out here. We got to go home. <laughs> but on these shows, one of the main things is I got to get a fire started. If I can't start a fire, I'm not going to make it. So there's three things they have to have. Typically, you see them there, and they're either got pieces of wood around them. You have to have heat. So they're trying to generate friction to get some heat there. You have to have oxygen. Has to be air, that can be wind, or you see them blowing into the embers trying to get them to catch. And the third thing is you need fuel. It has to be something to burn. Something that fire can grab a hold of. There has to be something fueling that flame. And firefighters who are out here fighting these wildfires know the only way to defeat this flame is to eliminate one of these three things. That's their goal. That's all they want to do. If we can eliminate one or more of these, we will eliminate the fire. So from a spiritual standpoint, I want to help you put the fire of gossip out using the same three things. So how do we turn down the heat on gossip? The one way is really simple. It starts with repentance, acknowledging that it's a sin, that it's wrong, that it shouldn't be done, that you actually grieve God when you do it. It is looking at God and saying, Jesus, I'm sorry that I've done this. And true repentance is not just saying I'm sorry. It is stopping what you're doing and going a different direction. I'm no longer going to do this, God. I'm so sorry I caused this pain. I'm so sorry that I said those things. I apologize to you and I will not do this anymore. 
But after you repent, here's the problem that most of us have. You should apologize. Ooh, it's like a dirty word to church. Apologize? Like acknowledge, admit that I was wrong to the person I did it to? What if they don't even know that I did it? What if the Holy Spirit's telling you to go apologize anyway? Are you willing to do what God is asking you to do? We're talking about turning down the heat. It's like having a gas stove. And when you turn it on, the flame jumps up when you put it on high. And if you just grab that dial and start bringing it down, we're just talking about bringing the heat down through repentance, through apologizing to someone, through going to them and acknowledging, I know I did that. I know it was me. I, I said that and I'm sorry for the damage it caused. I'm sorry for what it did to your life. I'm sorry for how it impacted you. I apologize to you because you don't know what position that person may be in. And your words of apology may open doors that would have been shut forever because of the hurt that they've experienced. Let's talk about the second part of fires, which is oxygen. And we know that oxygen is all around us. It's in the air, the wind when it's blowing. So many times what the firefighters do is they're dropping something called a retardant on it. They're trying to eliminate the oxygen. They're trying to suffocate it. And you can do this with water? Yes, absolutely. Did you know you can also use dirt as well? Dirt can actually help put out a fire. Because it begins eliminating the ability of oxygen to get through the dirt to the places where it's burning. Yeah. Yeah. So Pastor Jay, how do we suffocate gossip? Well, we can suffocate gossip by doing two things. Guarding what goes into our ears and what comes out of our mouth. You gotta guard it. See, guarding means that there's something important that I need to keep away from other folks. No one gets a guard dog and wants it licking on everybody that walks through the door. <laughs> That's not a guard dog. I need you to protect whatever is in here. So the Bible tells us in Proverbs 17 and 4 that wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. You want to know what type of people you got around you? Pay attention to how they treat gossip. The Bible will show you exactly what type of people you're surrounding yourself by. In Proverbs 21, 23, it says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and you will stay out of trouble. It gives us two very easy commands that I'm going to tell y'all is real hard to do. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. Do you realize that those are two separate things? Sometimes I can keep an eye on my tongue, but if I let my teeth open just a little bit, it'll slip on out and say something. My tongue be negotiating with me. It'd be like, just, just, just crack your teeth. I promise you, I'm going to just say a couple things and we're going to take care of this whole situation. No, I'm going to watch my tongue and guard my mouth. I need to be aware of that. In Psalms 141 and 3, it says to take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. I have to acknowledge that I may need more help. I may not be able to guard this thing by myself. God, I need you to come here and help guard my lips. As for the fuel, which is the third element, that can be eliminated by cutting and digging to remove, to remove burnable vegetation or clearing large areas of brush and trees. 
See, when these forest fires are coming to a town or coming to a place where they know we really can't afford for it to come through this area, maybe that's loss of life, maybe there are businesses there, whatever it is, sometimes they will bring heavy machinery in and start eliminating all of the trees, all of the bushes, all of the vegetation that's there to try to stop the fire from having fuel to create flames. They will have people on by hand pulling out things because fire needs something to burn on. And they're trying to protect certain areas from succumbing to the flame that's on its way. So in doing this, how do we accomplish that spiritually? Well, you know what? You can remove some fuel by shutting gossip down when it starts heading your direction. I'm going to give you two of my favorite questions to ask. So if somebody try to bring some gossip your direction, here's what you do. First question, why are you telling me this? And then just be quiet and look at them. Make it awkward. It should feel weird. Why are you telling me this? Most people don't have a good answer. This is not what I'm trying to listen to. That's not what really I want to know. I'm not trying to hear that. We can talk about something else. But that right there, I'm not interested. If you really want to mess them up, ask them question number two. Hey, I know you're trying to tell me all this stuff about Greg. Have you actually talked to Greg? Then they start stuttering. Uh, uh, I, 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 yeah. Right. No, you didn't talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Because if you hadn't talked to him, you probably wouldn't be standing here talking to me. Exactly. Did you go to the person and find out if this is even true? Did you go to the person and find out if there's another side of the story? Did you go to the person and find out what actually happened? Because you're just repeating something someone else told you. And probably someone else told them. And you didn't even check with the person who has the source of the information. This is how we start shutting down the problem. It's acknowledging that we may not have access to everything that happened, so why should I go around spreading this information? It's treating other people the way we would want to be treated. It's looking at the situation and saying that we should be willing to speak up and protect those that are being talked about and shut it down. As you're talking to people, you'd be surprised. There might be folks around you Listening in. You don't know. And you getting involved in that conversation could destroy your reputation. It could destroy your testimony. Because sometimes there's a song that says, let's give them something to talk about. You better not. Why would I give you something to talk about? Enough people trying to talk about folks as is. Why would I give you fuel? Right. I'm trying to remove that. There was a thing that happened to me. Okay, y'all, look, I'm going to tell you this. Don't y'all tell nobody. What happened here at Beach Park? Stay here, right? <laughs> I don't see enough of y'all nodding your heads yes. <laughs> so look. Y'all know I struggle, okay? I have problems when I go places. I got a temper issue. Jesus is working on me. We ain't there yet, but we're getting better. I was living in Milwaukee, and I decided I wanted Burger King. All I wanted was a number seven. Give me a junior whopper with cheese and bacon, some fries, and a Dr. Pepper. That's all I want. This is easy, right? This is simple. 
know that when I tell y'all these stories, it wasn't simple. I go pull up to the drive-through, place my order, they give me my food, they give me my drink, I pull off and head to the church, and I'm in the church parking lot. Before I get out the car, I try to put my straw in my soda, and it won't go in, which is weird to me. Because it's just a soda. What, what is happening? Like, my burger's good, my fries are fine, but I can't put the straw in the cup. So I look at the cup, and something is in there. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Y'all, I pulled the cap, the lid off of this cup. You know how when you buy cups at the store, there's a plastic sleeve that all the cups are in? That sleeve was crumpled up and in my cup. Oh, wow. The whole entire sleeve was in, I pulled it out and it was like an accordion. And it just kept coming. And I got madder and madder as I pulled it out. Y'all, I'm in my car, I'm literally shaking. And I'm praying as I'm shaking. Jesus, you got to help me. Cause I'ma go back to Burger King and it's gonna have a brand new name. <laughs> and as I'm praying, the devil is over here like, you should go back to Burger King. And Jesus wasn't answering me fast enough, and I said, yeah, devil, let's go back to Burger King. <laughs> I turned that car on. I don't know if I had a meeting. I don't know what I was supposed to be doing. I turned that car on. I changed that gear shift. Ah! Wheeled out of the parking lot. I'm on my way. <laughs> Oh, got a date at Burger King. <laughs> I jumped in that parking lot. I didn't care how I parked. I have no idea what angle my car was at. I bust through them doors. It was a line. To me, ain't no line. Move out of my way. <laughs> I slammed that pop on that table, and I looked at the woman behind the thing, and I said, open this cup. <laughs> oh, Nah, she already looking at me like, what, what, what do you want me to do? Open the cup. Open the cup. Now, at this point in the story, the Holy Spirit's been trying to get my attention for a good 10 minutes now. Because it's not like Burger King was right around the corner. I had a drive. The Holy Spirit been in the back like, oh, excuse me, uh, pardon me. Uh, can I get Pastor Jay back, please? Not whoever this clown is that's driving right now. So right after I slammed this cup on the table, the Holy Spirit finally just grabbed me like, hey, you need to calm down because you're about to do something real stupid. In my mind, I said, but they already did, so I should return the favor. Right? I'm just telling y'all that's how I think, not what I do, okay? So at this point, Holy Spirit is like on me, like, you got to shut this down all the way down. I took a deep breath. I felt the shaking start slowing down. All the adrenaline is going away because I was ready to literally jump over the counter and tear up everything in the back. Took that deep breath. I said, ma'am, open my cup. She opened the cup and she said what she said. She said, oh my God. <laughs> How this happens? Like, you obviously had to take the cup to put it underneath the fountain yes. to get the Dr. Pepper in it. Mm -hmm. Nobody saw this whole sleeve in the cup. 
So I feel myself starting to get mad all over again. So I had to just shut that whole conversation down. Now my tongue is still negotiating behind my teeth for freedom. My tongue is like, just let me loose for two minutes. I will get you free Burger King for life. You will have a picture up at the corporate office or wherever you go, no matter what part of the states you are in, Burger King will cop your meal. The Holy Ghost said, don't do it. You better not do it. I left Burger King, and all they gave me was a new Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Told me I could call corporate. I called the corporate office, all they would have sent me is a coupon. <laughs> oh. For another Whopper Jr. <laughs> Two days later, we had a youth outreach we used to do in Milwaukee. Had a lot of teenagers, maybe 60, 70 kids coming through there. And I was walking through the lobby area before we got started. And one of our young ladies was over there. And uh, she said, Pastor Jay. I said, hey girl, what's going on with you? She's like, I'm good. I saw you. Uh. <laughs> now I'm scared. I'm like, come on, I don't even remember. Who, like, where was I at? What was I doing? Right. What happened? Right. <laughs> I was like, you saw me where? She said, Burger King. <laughs> She was like, and you was mad. <laughs> so apparently, when I bust through the doors and just cut to the front of the line, she was one of the people I cut. Uh, she saw everything, including me calm down. I looked at her and I said, how did I do? She said, you did so good. <laughs> For a moment, it was like I wasn't, even a, I wasn't even a parent, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not even a pastor, like, I'm a little kid. Mama, how did I do? She was like, I was so proud of you. <laughs> now, see, this young lady, I'm the pastor talking to her on a regular basis about how we should act. <laughs> How we should behave, how we shouldn't cuss folks out, how we shouldn't beat people down, how we should treat folks, or how we gotta let Jesus have his way in our lives because people gonna do dumb stuff. And what I didn't know that the Holy Spirit did was as I was about to jump over this counter was that she was standing there watching me. Can you imagine what that conversation would have been like? <laughs> was flinging stuff all around. He ate up three burgers, he made himself two pops, and climbed out of the drive-thru window. <laughs> because that's how stories go when they start getting passed. And it went from me being mad and hopping over the counter to me, Pastor Jay, like, he was biting people. <laughs> My goal in my job in life is to take the fuel away. Yes. yes. I have to eliminate the vegetation that can burn if fire comes my direction. Yes. 
I didn't know that the Holy Ghost was helping me out. Satan had a trap for me that day. Oh, and he painted it real good, and I wanted that whopper back. And he almost got me. And I could have lost my testimony. I'm a pastor in the city of Milwaukee. I don't know who else was standing there looking at me that never said something that knew me. I could have, come on, I could have lost my child. I could have gone to jail. I could have done a lot of stuff. But the Holy Spirit said, this ain't the smoke you want to. Come on. And some of us need to be serious about removing the fuel that's around us. What are the actions that you're doing that's causing people to talk? Because sometimes people talking about you just because they're looking for something to talk about, that's fine. My issue is when you're giving them something. When you walk off the stage after singing, people are happy, and then you go outside and you're cussing folks out. It's when you say you love, but no one sees it once you walk out of the building. It's our actions. We should be willing to do what's necessary to remove the fuel that fire needs to burn. See, there's one more thing I need you to understand. Firefighters use this thing called a controlled burn. See, when they're fighting against a fire, it's crazy to me that they can actually use the same fire to fight against the fire that's causing harm. But in a controlled burn, it's just that. It is them intentionally igniting a flame. It's them watching it. It's them studying it. It's them keeping an eye on it. They have parameters around the flame. And they're using it strategically to eliminate spaces that would otherwise be overrun by a wildfire. I want to read you. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says, don't even let one rotten word seep out of your minds. Instead, offer only fresh words that build others up when they need it most. That way, your good words will communicate grace to those who need to hear them. I need you to understand that the Holy Spirit wants to have a controlled burn in your mouth. Yes. The Holy Spirit wants to get control of your tongue. This is why the Bible tells us that we should be uplifting people. He says, I can use the same tongue in your mouth that has been utilized to curse people, to tear people down, to eliminate folks around you. I can use that same thing, and in a controlled burn, we can lift people up. We can build things back to where they should be. We can tell people who they actually are in Christ. Amen. Amen. We need to understand that this is why when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the first thing God does is grab a hold of your tongue. And he says, I'm going to now, in this moment, have a controlled burn where you will only utter words that are within my will. I'm going to use your tongue to speak my will into your life and the lives of others around you. He wants to control it. He wants full access to your mouth. Because he knows not only the damage it can cause, he says, I know the life it can bring. This is why the Bible says the power of life and death are in the tongue. This is why we should be using our tongue to build people up intentionally. See, it's something powerful about talking about people behind their back, but you're saying good stuff. It's powerful. See, when somebody 
overhears you talking about somebody else and they over there ear hustling. <laughs> Some of y'all know what an ear hustler is. Okay, let me help you out. But ear, ear hustlers are people that want to know what the conversation is about without you knowing that they're listening. That's right. How you recognize the ear hustler? They sitting here, if you talking over here, they looking straight ahead. But yeah. their eyes keep going like this. <laughs> and they always look over at the ear they hustling out of. <laughs> they just be, you ear hustling, because you being too still. <laughs> Ain't nothing moving but your eyes. Yeah. Well, what if the ear hustler overhears you talking about how great of a person you are? What if someone comes in this church and somebody else says, so-and-so was talking about you, and I can feel their heart drop. What did they say? They said they never would have made it with, through that situation without the help that you gave. What if somebody came to you and said, man, somebody was talking about you, and all they talked about was how much they love the way you worship. They love the way you help people. They love the way you give. They love the way you volunteer. They love how you always have a smile on your face, or how when you went through that situation, you managed to still love and still be around us and to still care for other people. What if that was the type of gossip we had? What if we uplifted everyone out of our mouths and spoke life into people? I promise you, you come in church one week and somebody will walk up to you and be like, I heard about what you said about me. And you'd be like, what I say? And they would just hug you with tears in their eyes and tell you, thank you. You don't know what my day was like today. And to hear that what I do makes a difference in your life changed my day. We can build people up and give life where Satan only wants to bring death and despair. So I want to end this by asking you all a question. Who are you? See, at the beginning of this, I had a riddle which said, who am I? And in this story about gossip and all the things that I've taught you, you have two options and you have to choose one. See, when gossip lights a flame, you get to decide, are you going to be wind or rain? There's one or two options. Am I going to help fan the flames of what I just heard? And I'm not going to bring a thunderstorm right down on top of this and put this out completely. I believe God has called us to reign. That's what he's called us to. Not to participate. Wait, you shouldn't be trying to be like TMZ. There are people that are making millions of dollars passing along gossip. They made a living out of it. God says for you, not so.